Welcome back to Dare to Feel. I'm your host, Alexandra Roxo, creative artist, best-selling author of Fuck Like a Goddess, transformational and spiritual mentor and coach. This series is based on my book, Dare to Feel, and each episode will deepen into topics around intimacy, relationship, spirituality, healing, and beyond. In today's episode, we're speaking with Lama Rod Owens about heartbreak, doing the deep work of self-liberation, and how to transform from a broken heart to being a spiritual warrior. Hi, everybody. I am so excited to have Lama Rod Owens with us here today. I'm going to start by reading a short version of your bio, which is what I'm doing this season to really give people the full picture. Well, I know it's not the full picture because <laughs> I know you did a lot more than this paragraph, but you summed it up well. Lama Rod Owens is a Buddhist minister, author, activist, yoga instructor, and authorized Lama in the Kagyu School of Tibetan Buddhism. Lama holds a Master of Divinity degree in Buddhist studies from Harvard Divinity School with a focus on the intersection of social change, identity, and spiritual practice and is a leading voice in a new generation of Buddhist teachers. <laughs> Best-selling author of Love and Rage, The Path of Liberation Through Anger, and co-author of Radical Dharma, Talking Race, Love, and Liberation, his teachings center on freedom, self-expression, and radical self-care. Lama's mission is showing you how to heal and free yourself. In his latest book, released in October 2023, The New Saints, From Broken Hearts to Spiritual Warriors, Lama calls for the saints of this time and place and guides them to becoming effective agents of justice, peace, and change. Welcome. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Ah, well, mm -hmm. I have to say, I'm really excited about your next book, though mm -hmm. your other books are amazing as well. The title of mm -hmm. this upcoming book really speaks to me mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I've been reflecting a lot about heartbreak and, mm -hmm. you know, there's a great quote by a Buddhist teacher about needing to have a broken, open heart. Yeah. Um, which I, mm -hmm. I, I imagine you know, but I thought of that um, with the title of this book, From Broken Hearts to mm -hmm. Spiritual Warriors. And I would love for you to just tell us what brought you to mm -hmm. this topic. A, I'm so curious. Um, <laughs> and what does that even mean for people? Like, what does it mean to operate from a broken heart mm -hmm. to have a mm -hmm. spiritual practice that involves a broken heart. I think it's so mm -hmm. counterintuitive to our conditioning, but yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's right in line with Buddhist practice, right? Is that we start with the suffering, right? The suffering is the material that we use to get free from the causes and conditions of suffering, right? You know, um, so much of the work that I do, you know, it really hits people in a really counterintuitive way, you know, and it makes sense for me, you know, but for instance, when I did uh, Love and Rage, people were like, how can that possibly coexist, right? And so the mission of that book became actually explaining how love must hold our anger, mm. right? You know, but with the new saints, right? You know, for me, it was really having to identify that brokenheartedness is something that we're all struggling with, right? Because the world is changing, right? I think the world is getting freer, right? Um, it feels like labor pains in the process of giving birth, yeah. you know, to a different future, but you have to go through the discomfort, yeah. right? Of, of, giving birth to something. And that means that we have to let go of who we thought we were, right? For me, it's letting go of who I thought I was, right? And for me, I was so self-identified with the suffering and the brokenheartedness, right? That I couldn't actually evolve. I couldn't actually, you know, expand and become or experience more liberation, yeah. you know? 
And so my, you know, so much of my teaching is really about, particularly in the past few years, about brokenheartedness. What does it mean to experience um, brokenheartedness? And I, you know, I understand brokenheartedness as like just this deep disappointment, right? This isn't what I thought it was going to be, right? I don't seem to be getting what I need, right? The world seems really cruel. What is the point of living, (laughs) (laughs) right like why am i so confused why is everything so loud and distracting i mean so forth and so on Mm -hmm. right so the brokenheartedness is is this 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 experience of just profound disappointment that we're trying to name for ourselves right but for i but i think for a lot of folks right now we seem to be consumed by their brokenheartedness and what my work is really about is earnest understanding how to actually tend to our brokenheartedness to offer space to everything we're struggling to to be with right and it's the space that's beginning to take care of everything that feels heavy and overwhelming right um brokenheartedness is it begins to teach us, and you know, as you pointed out, right, um, about a deep sensitivity. You know that our broken hearts can be these really sensitive experiences that connects us to the experiences of all people, all folks, even you know, even the people who are trying to hurt us, right? You know, even the people who have hurt us, right? People, I don't, you know, most people aren't inherently evil. Right, but we all do struggle with overwhelming, you know, suffering that some of us have been taught to deal with, but others of us have not. So we weaponize that suffering against others because we can't sit still with it, right? And if and and and, and if we can just eliminate who we believe is the cause of our suffering and our brokenheartedness, then we will be okay. If I can just dominate the world, erase people, right? Get rid of people, get rid of things, then I'll be okay. And that is not how liberation works. That's not how healing works. Because first of all, we have to go inward. But that inward journey is something that many of us are terrified of because it's suffering. It's everything that we don't want to deal with, right? And from personal experience, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is like, this is really, really, really tough work. But I know that I wouldn't be alive and having the experiences that I'm having now if I didn't commit to that work early on, you know, in my adult life. Yeah. Yeah. I fully agree with you. And I, I feel like I got very excited reading that title because it's such an important part of my own teachings and my upcoming mm-hmm. book. And it's, I, I think there's something about, and I don't know if there's an exact t- kind mm-hmm. of time or if we're the generation, whatever that means, we, like uh-huh. who who's present now is the generation who's making that shift to have the courage slowly. Some of some, some people mm-hmm. to turn towards that heartbreak. Yeah. And I'm curious for you, mm-hmm. Because I think our ancestors in in many Mm. different contexts and Mm. cultures and environments Mm. didn't have the time or the resource um, or the skills or the knowledge Mm -hmm. to turn towards their own suffering. And they were in survival mode and coping, Mm -hmm. etc. What was your catalyst Mm -hmm. or what was your uh, like entry point? Mm -hmm into the courage that it takes mm-hmm. to be with the heartbreak and the suffering. Yeah. I don't know if your parents did it before <laughs> you or if you were the first <clears throat> one in your, your lineage, but I'd mm-hmm. love to hear about that. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. You know, and for me, it really began early in life, right? It began with really feeling very disappointed in life. I mean, from a very early age, some of my earliest memories were really confusing feelings about why am I here? Like, why, <laughs> why is, why is everything so ugly and hard? Right. You know, I mean, I grew up, 
you know, black uh, and queer um, in the deep south and in North Georgia, um, which was... Where in North Georgia? Rome, Georgia. Okay. I'm Marietta. I'm from Marietta. Oh, you're from Marietta. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so we're like neighbors, you know. Marietta, I hear you. (laughs) Exactly. Marietta. Yeah. So it's like, you you know, you get, you get North Georgia, like, you know, just north of Atlanta, right? North west of Atlanta. Um, and I just wanted something different. And I talk a lot about this in, in the next book in New Saints, where I just was like, I need something different. I want something different, right? And so I started committing myself, at a, you know, in elementary school, really, to learning how to create beauty, learning how to fix what I thought was broken, learning how to clean up things, learning how to create something that really pleased me, right? Getting involved in that deep kind of aesthetic work, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Which I'm finally beginning to name um, as I'm moving through some um, surveying of fashion theory and fashion history, Wow. You know, which I also talk about in New Saints, you know, as well. But I just learned how to do things. I learned how to cook. I learned mm-hmm. how to do some really rudimentary building, you know, as well. But cooking and art, you know, visual art, writing, um, music were these pathways that I could really train in to create something beautiful. And when I created something beautiful, I took refuge in it, you know, as well. So these are gifts even now that I offer to others, you know, cooking and, you know, and writing or things that like I'm using to reshape the world and to reshape my life, you know, but, but moving into my, you know, early teens, I really started turning my attention to, you know, social justice, right? And really trying to understand systems, you know, of violence, particularly beginning with racism. Um, But as I moved through my teens, you know, through high school, I was getting involved in so many different issue areas, Mm. you know, as well from um, like teen pregnancy work and, and, um, through like housing insecurity and so food you came justice. out just like a little saint in Rome, Georgia. <laughs> You're like, all yeah. right, I'm gonna just start liberating myself now. <laughs> well, it was just it felt so innate. It just I felt like it. this is exactly what I should be doing. Yeah, right. Trying to help people as I help myself. It was yeah. just there, right? Exactly. And I just consumed everything that I could consume. But it wasn't until I got into my 20s, you know, and living in, you know, as a full-time activist and organizer, that the heart, the brokenheartedness, the suffering, the trauma, the despair just began to, like, feel really heavy. And that's what really began, you know, um, my spiritual path. I grew up, right, in a very religious home. My mother is a minister, uh, a Methodist minister. Um, and that deeply influenced me in the wow. work that I do now, you know, spiritual leadership and so forth. But in my 20s, you know, I moved from Rome to Boston and was um, doing activism work. And it just got real scary, it got real heavy, you know. Um, a lot of different things started to happen. And, and that's when the path opened. You know, I consciously just put it out that, like, I will do anything right to have a different experience you know that didn't feel heavy and overwhelming and that began this path into meditation initially but into energy work Mm -hmm. as well it opened my mind so i could actually begin to understand that the world was full of liberation if i could just acknowledge it and then actually open to it and train with it Mm. you know Um, But yeah, but again, so much of this was innate. Like, I don't know if anyone was telling me to do this, but I just gravitated. Like, I've just always, as I talk about in New Saints, I just always felt like I needed to be free. And Buddhism was the first system of practice that met that need, that fundamental need to get free, beginning with my mind and body, right? And that's where the real work really begins because it's about turning back into everything that we're running away from. 
Yeah. Right. And the work itself is heartbreaking. There's the yes. heartbrokenness and the work itself is just like, oh my God, is this is this how I used to think? Is this how I'm I'm really showing up in the world? You know, but you get into deeper, deeper levels of of discomfort and you're just excavating yeah. so much energy, so many different experiences that for me transcend this lifetime. Yeah. Right. This is like old, old work. Right. Yeah. So this is like a trans historical, trans like existence mm. kind of path for me. And that has deeply influenced my work. And that's something that people will see really clearly in New Saints in a way that I haven't been able to articulate in, in the past. Mm, I love that. And I love that you brought that in because I was going to ask, mm -hmm. well, as you were this young child and, and mm -hmm. teen, how much of that desire to take mm -hmm. refuge within cooking mm -hmm. or building yeah. or fashion, mm -hmm. how much do you think of that mm -hmm. was crossing over from yeah. other lifetimes? Yeah, uh, so much of it was. And I think mm -hmm. that this innate uh, experience of wanting to be free, that's definitely past life. Yeah. That's just work that I'm continuing. You know, but I think so much of what I've gravitated towards in this life have been ways that I have tried to channel, you know, the work that I've been doing in the past lives. And of course, this is a different life, right? And this different circumstance. And so, so much of what I feel now and can articulate is that, you know, so much of my work is about really using contemporary the contemporary world and culture to to reframe really mm -hmm. profound spiritual teaching right yeah. not to create not to just like reiterate you know the profound work that's come before but to actually reframe it in a way that feels really appropriate and fresh for us yeah. living in the world right now you know and that's mm -hmm. how why i show up in the ways that i do um, I think so much of this is about being myself and understanding that I can be myself and also have a really profound, deep practice of liberation. Yeah. So you are, in, in my opinion, mm -hmm. an anomaly, something, mm -hmm. someone who holds, um, a title in a way mm -hmm. that feels so fresh and mm -hmm. so new, which mm -hmm. I love yeah. <laughs> from me, you know, part yeah. of my also growing up in Georgia, growing yeah. up in the Presbyterian church and my yeah. father's Brazilian and I grew up mm -hmm. some in the Catholic church. And so seeing the sort of white male Western mm -hmm. paradigm of God and spirituality has been a big mm -hmm. part of my own process. This life has been liberating from that. And, and then even turning towards mm. the East and going, okay, can I be, these practices are amazing, but I still feel, um, you know, a bit of a headbutt mm -hmm. against some of mm -hmm. the, uh, structures there. Yeah. So, and mm -hmm. I've gone through this process and I'm sure people have heard me talk about it enough. It's mm -hmm. not as active in me now, but to see right. you yeah. stepping in as a queer black yeah. Buddhist Lama, I'm like, mm -hmm. thank you, please, yeah. please. What is that like to mm -hmm. live mm -hmm. that destiny right now? Right. Yeah. And you're not the first to, <laughs> to say that either, you yeah. know, so that's like a really very common feedback yeah. that I get from a lot of people, you know, that you're like, yeah, on a, an anomaly, you yeah. know, you know, like, you know, this glitch in the matrix, you know, Which we uh, meet. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I mean, it like this is definitely planned. Yeah, like this, like this isn't like random or yeah. happenstance like this is uh, <laughs> this is work and intention that I wanted to show up like this in this life. Right. And mm -hmm. I never really thought about it. Like, I never thought. Oh, I'm this black queer llama with you know, all these other identity locations, and I'm trying to get into this tradition, you know, where you know black queer people have really never been represented or seen in spiritual leadership. I just never thought about that. I just was like, I just need to get free, 
right? Mm-hmm. And I just need to help others get free. And this is the path that that has opened up, right, mm-hmm. um, for me. But now on this end, right, I get that. You know, and even with New Saints, I was like very, very, very acutely aware that, you know, I am reframing these teachings within the Black queer aesthetic, yeah. right, you know? Um, and my goal really is to help us understand that liberation can be found in anything, yeah. right? You know, and that we don't have to become different people in order to get free, which is, of course, right, one of the um, you know, kind of like ideas in Orthodox Buddhism is that you have to be something different. You know, traditionally, it's like you have to be a man and you have to have all these other things going right. on. But you can get free in this moment where you are, right? And yes, I had to like, I did give up a lot of a lot of things, you know, moving into training because I went through Orthodox training, right? I went through the same oh. training a Tibetan person would go through, right? Um, so, and that was important for me to do that because I knew that I would be discredited or devalued if I came into this position through some other means that wasn't extremely traditional and documented, Mm -hmm. right? And trained by someone who was highly regarded, you know, as a gatekeeper and lineage holder, you know, um, Mm -hmm. in my particular school. So I had to do that on purpose, You know, um, but yeah, I'm just myself, right? Yeah, it does feel lonely, Hmm. you know, absolutely. But again, part of my work is to open this door so that like others who look like me or who who want to see a different kind of inclusivity can actually begin to practice and become leaders themselves. Yeah, I'm so glad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you. There's a quote from Radical Dharma that I want to read and just hear you um, speak on that I loved. Mm -hmm. The most profound practice I have ever been taught by my teachers is simply letting my shit fall apart, developing the courage to sit with all of my rough edges, Mm -hmm. the ugliness, the destructive and suffocating storylines I have perpetuated about myself and letting go of the same suffocating storylines others maintain about me. Mm-hmm. I just I love that so much. I think I read it multiple times in multiple places, mm-hmm. and I was like, I still love that so much. Can you speak mm-hmm. to that process? Because mm-hmm. I think for um, the common person, mm-hmm. they're like, why the hell would mm-hmm. I want to do that? <laughs> what? Right. You know? right. And um I'm yeah. I, that's my practice too and that's part yeah. of what I teach too. And and I'm just curious like mm-hmm. what what would you say to somebody mm-hmm. who's like why would I want to sit and let my shit fall apart and sit with my own ugliness like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that, you know, falling apart, becoming aware of the edges is the only way we'll figure out who we really are. You know, because that deep discomfort keeps us from um, investigating and getting curious about what's beneath these experiences, right? You know, and for me, it's about learning how to choose suffering, right? Because I'm already suffering, (laughs) right? Yeah. Like, but when I choose suffering, there's a kind of softness and opening that begins to happen because I'm no longer pushing things away, you know, really fervently, right? And once you, once you start pushing things away, there's, there's a release that starts to happen and you start actually moving into the phenomena of suffering itself and you begin to unpack you know, all these different pieces of suffering because, you know, let's just say it's anger, right, that that we're, we're wanting to, to work with, right? So when I just let myself experience anger, then I understand that anger is an event with multiple actors. You know, <laughs> I love that definition. You know, and so it's like, okay, so it's not just me being pissed off, it's actually me being hurt. Yeah. Right. And then there are these storylines that feed into that herd. And I can actually start unpacking and unraveling each of these storylines, each of these actors. Right. And in the process, I am healing 
And in the, also in the process, I am awakening the spaciousness that actually helps me to, to learn how to respond, not just mm-hmm. habitually react to everything you know because the sting isn't so intense because i'm unraveling i'm forgiving i'm letting go i'm moving on i'm telling the truth right and i'm also saying you know what i'm not the only person in the world who's going through this who's experiencing this the isolation can be really intense for people wanting to start this work Mm -hmm. but to know that you are among many many beings who are doing this work of becoming curious about their suffering. And this is the only work that can alleviate the violence and suffering in our collective living, right? Mm -hmm. To do my part and then to help others do their part. And this is why I show up in the way that I do and to be really explicit about everything because I want you to know that like this is a legit path and it's hard as fuck you know, and sometimes I would rather be doing something else, but I know that I wouldn't be alive or living in the way that I'm living if I hadn't started committing to this work, right? Like, if I really want to see the world change, I have to begin with changing myself and how I understand the world and my own suffering and disrupt the ways in which I weaponize my suffering, right? Because I don't have the capacity to hold space for it. Yeah. And I think in the spiritual space in general today, it almost Mm -hmm. feels like there's different camps where Mm there is like this space of sitting Mm -hmm. with the shit falling apart and our rough edges and our ugliness. And and then there's there are these other camps that are kind of like sitting with the beauty and the light and... yeah. And there's a great practice, I think, in 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 Buddhism in general to, mm-hmm. to acknowledge both, right? Like you're mm-hmm. not just sitting with just the ugliness all the time. Mm-hmm. You're also cultivating compassion. You're cultivating yeah. joy, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Where is the line for you in terms of being a practitioner mm-hmm. who's constantly turning towards mm-hmm. your suffering, being honest about it? And do you ever feel like, Wait a minute. Am I turning towards the good stuff enough? <laughs> right. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that's such a good question, right? Because I, I ask myself struggled. this all the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for those of us who are really committed to this, like we get really fixated on work, right? And we get really tight around the work. And, and then, of course, when we get tight, we start actually bypassing joy, Right. And so what I actually had to do was first understand that the work, this really hard work is something that, yes, I love to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. We, there's be- some of us yeah. freaks who love doing that. <laughs> yeah. You know, not because it's fun, because not because it's fun, but because I feel the impact personally. I feel the freedom, the fluidity, the spaciousness. Yeah. I feel a different relationship to everything that used to scare me. Like, I'm not so afraid anymore. I'm not so pissed off anymore. I feel so much more grounded. I feel connected. And because I feel that, which is completely opposite of what I felt at the beginning of my path, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to just keep digging into this, you know, because the sky's the limit, right? And then you have to stop and say, you know what, but this, the work is important. The work is good, but is the work generative? You know, Mm. does it actually help me to experience joy because I begin to understand that joy is what holds the work, you know, and I had to understand that pleasure was just as important to experience as it was to do the work, you know, of moving through the suffering. Pleasure heals, pleasure opens and expands, and right? And that's where I really want to go is into expansion, Right. So there's a way that we can balance, you know, work and play. Right. And I had a, you know, I had a friend, you know, many years ago in college um, who was this really brilliant, intense, you know, person who is like one of those people you meet in college and, you know, they're going to, they're, they're going straight to like a PhD in tenure, you know, in the university, you know, and I wasn't. So I was like, I'm not that into all of this, but. <laughs> I was like, I'm just trying to have fun. But she, you know, but she looked at me one day in class and she goes, listen, Rod, 
I work hard and I play hard. And that kind of blew me away. You know, it blew me away. And to to this day, this is a teaching that I'm still working with. If I'm going to do really hard work, I need to figure out how to play just as hard, how to let go, how to relax, how to identify things that actually spark joy for me. Yeah. You know, because the work is ongoing. It will never you stop. Know? It yeah. won't ever stop. And and it's like, it's so normal now. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's not, I know people may be listening to this going, oh my God, you know, this guy, you know, has <laughs> such a intense, overwhelming life. No, my life was overwhelming and intense before this. Right. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Well, like, I yeah. couldn't, yeah, I couldn't cope before this. Now I can... I can cope. I can, because what this really is, is that I've learned how to tend to everything that arises in the moment instead of pushing it away, right? So I'm not creating this like backlog of work and discomfort. It's like what's happening now is what I'm dealing with right now, right? right? And I just keep moving on. Like everything is, if it feels like a river, it feels like a stream that's flowing and I'm just tending to that flow instead of trying to block it up and dam it up, just letting it flow and letting whatever comes, comes and saying, okay, there you're there. There's this and there's that. Okay. You know, um, and you just keep going and you realize and you understand that you're not the only one doing this work. Right. And that this for me like this work is gives so much meaning to my life. Like I'm doing like, even if I were to die today, I would die happy because of the amount of work that I've been able to do for myself and that work that, which I've been able to return back to so many others. Yeah. So many things. One thing that Mm -hmm. I just want to break down for people because Mm -hmm. most of the audience here probably completely understands what we mean by the work, but I want to break it down Mm -hmm. into some like micro moments um, Mm -hmm. that happen throughout your day where you, because I think many people might think, oh, the work, I need to like go sit in like a long therapy or journal for hours. But I know yeah. that you and I are talking about also just living, mm-hmm. yeah. living the work, living the practice. So exactly. what are some of those examples that just come up for you on the day to day where, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's you're doing the work and it is mm-hmm. your life and it mm-hmm. is your practice and it's not outside of your life. I want right. people to feel that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's again, it's like this normalizing of everything, right? It's like, you know, beginning at the beginning, it's like waking up, right? And waking up and just asking myself, okay, how am I? What's going on? How do I feel right now? Checking in with my body, mm-hmm. right? I'm asking my body, okay, how do we need to move forward? Yeah. What do you need? And that begins to set like the work for the day. You know, because, it, you know, depending on how I'm feeling, it means it may mean that, like, I need to, like, you know, have some time set aside to do some caretaking for myself. Right. You know, we keep going through these intense astrological, you know, experiences <laughs> right now, which, like, completely, like, yeah, it knocks me on my ass. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're trying to wade through these intense transitions and these energies, right? You know, it's like, okay, how do I take care of myself in this work? And if I am taking care of myself, how does that allow me to show up for other people, you know, as well? And sometimes, you know, even last night, you know, I, you know, started feeling intuitively that I needed to spend today, later today, you know, and, you know, just some serious practice, Mm -hmm. you know, once the work of the day, you know, is finished, it's going to be time for me to really go deeply right into my own body and mind, you know, to kind of figure out, you know, what's rising for me. And for me, naming everything is so important. Like, this is what's happening, right? And how do I take care of what's happening in this moment? How do I keep experiencing everything? Yeah. Right, I want to experience everything from the most mundane to the most extraordinary. I mm. want to know, I want to feel, you know, I want to feel the discomfort as much as I want to feel 
the 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 pleasure you know mm-hmm. the goodness right that that kind of ethic in our life it just it keeps us really in the moment it keeps us like moving through our lives moving through our day in a way that it helps us i mean it, for me it just helps me feel really connected it helps me to feel like i belong to my life to my mm-hmm. body to to the community that you know communities i'm a part of you know, it's the work of emotional processing, emotional maturity, and emotional fluidity, right? You know, yeah. and that's something that people feel. People feel your presentness. People feel when you're really doing serious work, and that draws people to you, mm-hmm. right? You know, because it's yeah. less likely that you create harm for others when you're just really in the work of understanding why you do the things that you do. Well, yeah. that's such a beautiful statement. And I feel mm-hmm. like everybody, please go take a highlighter to that statement. <laughs> because mm-hmm. there's so much truth to that. It's like, as I'm more present in my body, as I'm mm-hmm. more present to my actions, to mm-hmm. my words, to my emotions, as I cultivate the capacity to just be yeah. with them, then I do have less uh probability towards creating harm and i think that is really potent because like you you said before it's like the the enactment of harm on others Mm -hmm. is like that's that reactivity that is why i think so many of us have experienced trauma right because hurt people hurt people Mm um and to be the ones not not you know to over kind of sanctify ourselves but to be the ones that say oh i actually don't want to hurt people <laughs> like yeah. you know i've seen this kind of chain yeah. of hurt get just passed yeah. along yeah and so what do i need to do in order to not kind of perpetuate mm-hmm. the story like you said in that mm-hmm. quote the stories about myself yeah. um I got to get get quiet be present with my mind be yeah. present with my body i got to start yeah. feeling um and so like, I want to break that down a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Like say you're in the middle of your day and you're like mm-hmm. doing your llama rod day. Mm-hmm. You're like, you got a podcast, you got some emails, mm-hmm. you got like a few mm-hmm. work calls or whatever. Yeah. And you get like, I don't know, a terrible comment or DM or mm. something that pings mm-hmm. one of, that that creates a pain or suffering inside of you. What yeah. would be your kind of, chain of practice in that moment yeah well first of all is acknowledging and becoming aware of that pain right that discomfort as a physical experience where Mm -hmm. do i feel that in my body right how do i feel that as a mental experience Mm -hmm. you know in my mind um and then it's like offering those experiences lots of space by not reacting yeah of course when you let go of reacting you move into experiencing so you just feel it. And so feeling it means that I let go of these kind of conceptual thoughts. Like it's not about describing how I feel. It's about actually just feeling the energy. What does this energy feel like? Yeah. Right. And how is this, how am I making this, you know, something that really intensifies the separate sense of self? Mm. like that mm. i i am being critiqued i there's something or something is fundamentally wrong with me for someone for someone to say the thing that they did yeah. you know and yeah and that's that's hard work right and then i also remember too that i'm not the only one in this moment who's experiencing this right there are countless people who are struggling with criticism or feedback that just kind of showed up from nowhere and and we're trying to work with it and deal with it, right? Everyone experiences this, right? Absolutely. That cutting through that kind of isolation really creates a lot uh, of, I would say, comfort and within holding this discomfort, you know? Um, And then it goes back, you know, then once I do all of that, then I have the space to really reflect and say, okay, is this real legit criticism? Is this something really Mm -hmm. that I need to really pay attention to, to adjust, to address? Or is this a misunderstanding? Mm. Right. Once you kind of have some clarity, you're outside of that kind of emotional response. Yeah. 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 
you know, but I tell you the thing that's, you know, along these lines of feedback and criticism, that's really just really an issue is that, you know, a lot of people really aren't engaging our work, Mm. you know, like the work that we're putting out, our books, our media and so forth. People aren't really engaged. They just like consume, you know, there's an overconsumption. And then people come back to me and they say, well, that's really, you know, messed up what you said, you know, or what I saw on social media or some clip. And I'm like, well, have you read any of my books? (laughs) Right. Have you read any of my writing outside of social media? You know, because if you were engaging with my work, then you would understand the context um, in which I work and how I frame yeah. You know, a lot of things that I talk about. Um, and I think a lot of folks are, again, it's like when you're living so far outside of yourself, you're always attempting to manipulate the world around you and other people. Mm. Right. And I'm not saying that like people aren't creating harm for us, but what I am trying to assert, you know, um, too, is that sometimes it's not about other people, yeah. it's really about our, our, unresolved issues are our deep insecurities or our own pain, you know, and experiences of trauma that we are not tending to. Mm-hmm. Right. And when work like that is untended to, then the world becomes quite antagonistic. Yeah. You know, to such an extreme, depending on what what kind of traumas we're working with, even, you know, a sunny day with the breeze blowing can be, you know, activating triggering for people right that's how it can get really out of control and i've been there right you You have on like the shit colored glasses (laughs) and like everything just looks shitty (laughs) and then you forgot you had them on for days and days and days exactly (laughs) and that's yeah and the world becomes filtered through that lens you know and as healers and you know you know, and collective, you know, kind of healers and organizers and so forth, like you, you have to understand that you're going to get blamed quite a bit, you know, you're going to get blamed for trying to get free, because you're going to be surrounded by people who are consenting to their incarceration. Oh, my God. You know, do you guys hear that highlight, double highlight consenting to their incarceration? And all of this, all of this is in my next book. So, Oof. like, this isn't, like, I'm not saying anything that you can't follow up with this yeah. fall. But, yeah. yeah, it's like when you choose to get free, you become a mirror for people around you, right? And they, and a lot of people may choose to annihilate you instead of actually committing to their own personal work. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And that's, you just have to hold that. Yeah, you know, um, that's the consequence of living, trying to live free in an unfree world. Mm. Yeah, mm. it just it reminded me of I was just in Portugal and and mm. I my family is you know Brazilian and I'm like it was the first time I'm meeting my ancestral land yeah. and um, you know the Portuguese have a pretty ugly history but they have some good yeah. things too, mm-hmm. um, but. We got, we like went to, to get in an Uber and I, I was so excited to speak Portuguese with the Uber yeah. driver, you know, and I speak Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese pretty damn well. Yeah. And I'm like, hi, you know, this is where we're going. Mm-hmm. And the guy like looks at me and he's like, mm. and I'm like, hey, did you see the address? And he's like, mm-hmm. starts yelling at me. I saw the address. He already told me. Da-da-da-da-da. And I was like. It was like this moment where my rainbow colored, you know, my rainbows and like sunshine was just like, (gasps) like my little girl heart was just like, (gasps) and I'm like, I got in the car and then I was like, to saying to my partner, I'm like, babe, what did I do? He's like, you didn't do anything. I'm like, what did I do? I'm like, I must have said something. I must have offended him. I'm like, did he hate Mm -hmm. my Portuguese? Did I speak Mm -hmm. badly? You know, does he hate America? (laughs) Just like, but the stories in my mind, my mind was going crazy of what have I done to attract this experience? What have I, what is it that I did to, to merit this? And my partner's like, nothing. The guy's probably just having a bad day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, 
just reminded me of those moments where, and for me, like mm-hmm. the 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 wound in my own heart of wanting yeah. to be loved and liked, mm-hmm. was just so hurt. It was like, yeah. oh, you know, um, yeah. that's life out in the real world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because so much of this is like we we get conditioned to believe that we're the cause of everyone's mood and reactivity and suffering. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and so when stuff them stuff like that happens to me pretty regularly, and in the moment I can say, okay, I didn't do anything but ask a question, you right. know, but so this isn't really about me. Totally. Right, you know, but in other cases, yeah, I can definitely say something or do something that um, I may have been unaware of, right? Yeah. You know, that often happens too, and I can own that and say, oh, yeah, you know, I wasn't, you know, I did this thing, I cut you off, or, you know, I bumped into you on accident, I want to take responsibility for that. Yeah. You know, and I've been in other situations where I've definitely done that. I've created some type of issue. And I've done everything I could possibly do to reconcile, but the person who feels offended feels as if, like, it will never be enough. Right. And then at that moment, I go, oh, okay, because this isn't really about this one moment that we yeah. had. This all of your hurt is like really, you know, cascading into this one moment. And I can't take responsibility for that. I've done no. everything that I could do. No. As my therapist says, it's like, I can't hold your unhealed parts yeah. for you. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, yeah. It's just... And this is part of, as we we aim to become liberated, you know, we are engaging with a world, like you said, what were the words that you said, that some people are so, like, that they're determined to stay in their incarceration? Yeah, or, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and we can't. We can't change everybody. We can't exactly. uplift everybody. We can't be exactly. in that space. So I want to ping back mm-hmm. to something that you said before about mm-hmm. kind of balancing the reserves of joy yeah. And then the space of doing the work where we do turn towards the suffering, mm-hmm. which um, w- w- like for you, how do you discern and for mm-hmm. anybody listening who wants mm-hmm. to be in practice with their own suffering so that they do self-liberate, right? Because mm-hmm. self-liberation does require doing that. Yeah. How do you discern like, Am I going too far? Am I mm-hmm. digging into a scab or a wound? Like, when yeah. is it time to go to mm-hmm. pleasure, to play? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and for me, you know, it's been about developing kind of methods of understanding when I'm just simply self-identifying with the pain, you know, and finding comfort in that self-identification instead of doing the real work of actually releasing and healing and offering space to. And for me, I guess I get there when I'm, you know, when I'm just in in the process of work and moving through something. And if I don't feel like I'm moving, if I don't feel like there's fluidity, then for me, that's a clue that I'm just like self-identifying and saying, oh, I am this. And how I can create narratives based upon that self-identity, you know? Yeah. Um, so so I, I, I stop in that moment when I, when I have that, you know, that kind of awareness and I go, okay, it feels like I need to take a break, yeah. you know? And that's like something that I have to really force myself to do because I just kind of go all in. Do you have Planet you know? in Scorpio somewhere? I may. Okay. Yeah. I just, you know, I love to feel people's astrology. Those of yeah. us who like to, to dig a little bit, yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we like to just, you know, not be afraid to like open the doors, yeah. and the cabinets, and yeah. it's not always about astrology. I think, like we talked about earlier, it's also about what we came to do this lifetime. Yes. Um, and so, yeah. if you're kind of stuck in that zone of you mm-hmm. feel like. Oof, I'm just like staying in it. Mm-hmm. What is what is just a little one one or two little things that you do to kind of shake that and to move oh, into yeah. joy? I mean, literally move movements. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, just moving my body. Yeah. Right. Changing the the circumstances of the work. Um, or what I mean particularly is that like I just go somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I physically move myself. That's and that great. begins to disrupt. Yeah. You know? And I think, okay, what's something that I really enjoy doing and let's do it. Okay. You know? Yeah. 
Um, so I have these go-to things that I do, right? And I also check in with my body. I ask my body, okay, what do you need? Maybe I am actually needing like water, you know, so drinking, having a snack or something that begins to disrupt and dislodge a lot of the heaviness that I feel like I've fallen into. Yeah. You know, um, you know, and also, yeah, just like. Also, just deeply believing that I deserve care and Mm. I deserve pleasure and joy. And I'm not just doing this for myself. Again, the joy that I experience is the joy that I offer to others. Mm. The joy that I experience, as we were talking about at the beginning of our time, the joy that I experience is the joy really that I'm experiencing on behalf of my ancestors who may not have yeah. who may not have had um, access to the resources that I have, but I'm only here because of their work. Yeah. You know, so ancestor practice is extremely important for me, yeah. you know, because I am obligated. Mm. Like I didn't just appear out of context. I appeared because a context was created for me through the labor of countless beings who have come before me. And as someone who's preparing, you know, this world for my descendants, I know I have to do the same work to create the causes and conditions so that my ans- my descendants don't have to work so hard to be in the world in the same way my ancestors worked for me. Yeah, you know? that's beautiful and so true. And I think um, hearing you, I'm like, yeah, I think a lot of us are hard on ourselves. Like we're not doing enough to prepare for our descendants. Um, I mean, I know that's what I feel not to project it onto everybody, but I do hear it from a lot of people. Like, what am I going to, what do I do? Mm -hmm. How do I help this world? Like, and just hearing you speak, it's just that reminder of like doing your own work and mm-hmm. working yourself and then sharing that with others, not being sort of stingy about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, which which brings me to, I love mm-hmm. what you said that, I mean, I don't love that this is a thing, but I love <laughs> that you brought it up mm-hmm. when you said that people are um, – just consuming and not really engaging so much as another fellow author and creator. Mm -hmm. I feel the pain of that at times. And I'm curious, a, what's your take on why that's happening? Um, and what can we do? What can we do about that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there are different levels, you know, that we're working on. And I think that on one level, I think people can consume, they can just kind of quickly go through everything and believe that feeling good, you know, is the work, you know, it's like, oh, someone, this writer really like said something that I've been struggling to say. And that's really great. You know, um, but what I am really asking people do to do is to really wrestle with mm. with what I'm putting out there to practice with because I want and I do offer practices that really are, are about transforming how we understand ourselves right. right and the world around us um and I tell people if you're not really engaging then you're not you don't really understand who I am, so there's always going to be misunderstanding mm. between us. You know, mm-hmm. and I don't mind having that misunderstanding. I don't mind people just showing up and going, you know what, I can't deal with you anymore, you know, and, and it becomes apparent that they're not really engaging everything, yeah. you know, like I'll, you know, sometimes I'll do an event, you know, in, in a community that maybe I'm not completely identified with, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll do a big event somehow. And then the next day I'll have this huge, you know, social media uptake you know people are following you know um and then i'll post something which is just right out of my work about suffering about liberation and then i'll lose so many of those people the next day you know and that's just kind of how it is like people may hear a really great quote from someone but before i like really buy into someone i go back and i do my due diligence about who people are where this quote came from the body of work this person is offering because they may be pretty problematic and maybe 
this thing that I have consumed has been taken out of context. Right, right. You know, and that and that's the work that we're not doing. Like you're right. not really investigating people and and figuring out who they are and what and what they do to produce the work that they're they're offering, right? Yeah. Um but you know, what really deeply satisfies me is with seeing people really wrestle with the ideas and the practices, mm. you know, that I'm putting out there because that's the only way that we get clear about things. Right. You know? Right. Um, not just reading something that we love, but like actually processing right. and analyzing and applying the clarity to like our daily lives and saying, How does this change how I show up in the world? How does this reduce harm? for myself and for others. That's the that's the change that I'm really looking for. Yeah. From people. That's real engagement. Yes. You know. I love like that. I, you know, and I you know, I just that's how I work, you know. I, I like I want to be moved. I want to be changed by people's work. You know, and I'm and I want to commit to really showing up, you know, and metabolizing the work that people are putting out. And of course, yeah, sometimes I can go, you know, that's not my work. That's not something I'm interested in. And I can just, you know, I can consciously say that, you know. Yeah, yeah and I think it speaks to our culture right mm -hmm. now in some way and to the, the level of depth that people are either willing to embark into or not. And sometimes I feel heartbreak around that because it's like what teachers like you, mm -hmm. um, many others that I know that are offering practice at a certain level of depth that isn't mm -hmm. just like a fast food. Yeah, exactly. You know? And so it takes people that want to actually put in a little bit more time and effort mm -hmm. to engage and, um, I think that, you know, a few years ago, I was like, it's quality over quantity, you know, yeah. yep. even if 20 yep. people find me and they engage yep. with me in a deep conversation versus a million that barely can have a conversation at all with me, I would prefer that level of mm -hmm. depth and the quality of those 20. So um, I hope that that number grows so that people mm -hmm. have the courage, the attention mm -hmm. span, mm -hmm. and the time resource mm -hmm. to sit and engage with yeah. in a deep way. Yeah, I think you bring up a, another really important issue too, which is, yeah, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of work that people are putting out, which I, I call really fluff. It's like super fluff. And then people get conditioned to relate to this fluff and say, oh, I just have to read these three steps and study these three steps. And then I can do whatever it is I'm being promised, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, in this work. And there's so many people, you know, so many, I would say our colleagues, you know, yeah. in this field who are just getting by with work that's really not rooted in anything right. rooted that's not really rooted in clarity and wisdom and care and a deep wish for transformation to happen. It's just something that enables people is something yeah. that like helps people feel good in the moment. Right. And that's not, and I tell people all the time, I'm, I, I don't care about you feeling good. Like I don't care about Thank you being you. happy. I, yeah. <gasps> I care about you getting free. And as you do really intense liberation work, you will experience happiness yeah. and joy and space. Yeah. But if you set feeling good as a goal that's very limited yeah you know and it's not going to get you free getting free doesn't feel good right <laughs> i know i tell people i'm like guys it's like exercise yeah. you know it's like i yeah. use the freaking exercise metaphor i'm like it's like exercise if you yeah. want to like get, get strong mm. it's gonna hurt yeah. a little it's uncomfortable yeah. you're not gonna want to do it you're gonna want to prefer to like watch tv yeah. or something but it feels good yeah. after you do yeah. it, you know. Yeah. And it does feel good to when when I like get through some of my own bullshit because I'm able to sit with it and I'm able to feel it. Mm. I feel victorious after. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. not saying I, it's not going to come. You know, slap me in the face again tomorrow. Yeah. But yeah. even if I make it through that moment, yeah. I'm like, 
fuck yeah, I am a spiritual warrior. I have the capacity to meet this. Yes. But a lot of people don't step up to that plate. You know, they're like, ooh, I actually am going to go around there because that feels better. That feels good. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, And that's what we compete with. It's like, I can't give you instant pleasure, but I will (laughs) say over time, you're going to experience something that you never thought was possible. Yeah. It's a hard sell. And not to say, (laughs) like, I... It's still common for me to be really deep in practice and meditation practice or in a ceremony, you know, um, and for me to go, God, this is fucking misery. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is so, I'm like, oh my God, like, yeah, I, and I can, I let myself complain. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I can give myself that, you know, like, yeah, this is really hard. I I kind of want to be doing something else, but I know that, like, I have to do this work right now because like i owe it to myself i owe it to my ancestors i owe it to my communities my loved ones to deal with this so they don't have to deal with it yeah on my behalf yes right i want to be i just want to be in the world you know i just want to be be in relationship with people where i feel like i'm doing is i'm holding myself Mm. you know and limiting the work that i create for others right Mm. You know, I know that won't be a hundred percent eradicated, you know, but like like I just I just want to to embody what this work looks like and you do too, you know. Yeah. Like I think yeah. both of us are just like, listen, it's hard, but like here we are. Yeah. And like and like I still love to have fun. Totally. Like I work really hard and I'm still into my Beyonce. I'm still like, you know, going out. I'm still like you know, just like really connecting to joy and pleasure. Yeah. And I'm also working really hard. And if you have, like my friend years ago said, like, if you work hard, you have to play hard. And that's yeah, that's like that's that. the ethic that I try to live by in my personal life. I love that you know? so much. I so love having this conversation with you. And I feel a kindred spirit on the path of, you know, I've studied a lot of Buddhism, not nearly as in depth as mm-hmm. you, who we did. I don't know if we mentioned that you've sat in, in retreat for three years, which mm-hmm. is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do feel like there's something that for me is just such a lifeline to the teachings that, that just yeah. keeps drawing me back in, even if it's not cool or even if everybody else is doing the the light love kumbaya pleasure yeah. feeling good <laughs> they're yeah, like, right. wow, she's just always having a hard time like nope i'm just always self-liberating guys okay yeah, exactly <laughs> and i'm all also having fun and so i yeah. love i love feeling that kindred spirit in you yeah. and i just Thank i really you. wish you the best with your upcoming book and i feel Thank like you. a lot of people are going to be touched with it thank you so much for coming and sharing here today Thank you. Anything you want to else you want to kind of share with the audience besides the book? Anything mm-hmm. else going on? Yeah, you know, people can really you know visit my website, sign up for for my newsletter. I don't send many emails out, you know, um, in a month, but like that's really the best way okay. to stay um, current and you know just you know following um, social media platforms, Instagram, LinkedIn. Okay. You know, are, you know, are pretty active for me. Mm-hmm. And are you, do you live in, where do you live actually? I don't know. I live in Atlanta now. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, I was yeah. going to say, do you do speaking and, yeah. and live and, and events and retreats yep. too? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have retreats, um, you know, coming up in New England later this summer. Um, I'm beginning to do more local events here. Cool. Um, in Atlanta. So again, you know, my website is the best way to yeah. stay on top of Great. that. Well, everybody go, go follow Lama Rob. We'll have all of the links below and, um, and buy this book. I really like yeah. the title. I just want to say it one more time because I just yeah. love it. Um, <laughs> wait, where did I write it? Okay. The new saints from broken hearts to spiritual warriors. That yeah. is a motto that I live by. And I'm so glad you yeah. put that in print. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And buy the book. It's out um, on Halloween. Love it. Actually. I love it. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I want to offer you some questions for contemplation, integration, 
and writing if you wish. The first one is to consider. Was there something in today's episode that touched you or moved you or triggered you? An image, an idea, a story? Take a moment and just think about it. Is there anything that provoked you? That reached inside of you? That perhaps brought up a memory or an idea from your life? What in this episode inspired you? Was there something that surprised you, that stood out for you? Could you jot it down just to remember? Maybe it was a concept or something that the guest said that took you by surprise, but that uplifted you, that brought you to some new awareness. Was there something about this episode that upset you, that provoked you, that pissed you off? Giving yourself full permission to dive into that. Was there anything about this episode that soothed your soul? That helped you feel a little bit more belonging? A little bit more at home? A little bit less like you're the only one? Taking those questions into your heart or into your journal or into your day. If anything stood out that you want to share with me, please do so on social media. Direct into my DMs. I'd love to hear what touched you, what moved you what you're taking from this time together. And if this episode truly inspired you in some kind of way, share it with a friend, like, subscribe, and write a review. It means a lot to me. Thank you. So happy you're here with me, daring to feel.